0: Welcome to this week's episode of Inside and Out with your host, Michael Marino, and your co-host, Jonathan Lidskin and Jonah Taffel. Today's guest I am beyond excited to introduce. We are pleased to have Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report on the podcast today. Connor, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, guys. I'm good. Uh, how are you holding up during all this?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, Jonah and I really want to play baseball. It's baseball season, but besides that, we're I think we're all doing well. Yeah, it's- Tough. I mean, obviously, no sports, no playing sports. Yeah. Um, the draft is over, which I felt like kept everybody afloat for a solid correct at least month. So it, it's definitely going to
1: be a really interesting time, uh, unless you're a a KBO fan in the middle of the night on ESPN. Yeah,
0: I've been experimenting with that a little bit. Um, we're just going to go straight into the first question. Uh, Connor, you and I are huge, both huge Jets fans. Um, I wanted to hear your thoughts in regards to how they did in the draft. What were your three favorite picks, and are there any undrafted free agents to look out for?
1: Yeah, I thought it was solid. I mean, I think something that was exciting, especially, uh, I know personally for me, you know, is is watching Joe Douglas get to put his name behind a draft. I think that's something that always interests me when you have guys that have such a good scouting reputation for a long time, and then they finally take a GM gig, and, and You know That first one is going to be the one that people look at and go, listen, we don't know what he was necessarily responsible for in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago. But now with the New York Jets, everybody is going to really associate these players that they took this year with Joe Douglas. And I think that's exciting. You can look for trends. You can look for things he did well, uh, things maybe that he struggled with in his first real draft. So when I looked at this one, I thought overall they actually did a really good job. I think he's walking into a situation where, you know the roster is not great uh he has a young quarterback that has showed promise but has is, is been given really no help i mean going back to even usc sam darnold has had uh, roller coaster coaching staffs you know the talent with the jets has just simply not been good on the offensive side of the football and the consistency within the offense has not been there either so he was walking into a situation joe douglas where you really got to go back to basics and i think that's a good thing i think when you could sit there and not really try to reinvent the wheel that's a good thing so they go into pick 11 and they were always taking an offensive tackle and they went with Makai Becton who I I have four first round tackles in this class you know with him Jedrick Wills um, Tristan Wirfs and of course Andrew Thomas on the Giants so I think you know to get a first round tackle one with a ton of promise one with the, you know that could really change your running game from day one that's that's exciting so it's hard not to like the Becton pick because of how many different things it influ- it factors into. But most importantly for Sam Darnold, I think, you know, obviously that's that's something that can help a lot. You look at round two, they needed a wide receiver. I, I thought it was very risky to trade out of 48, but obviously Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. Picks up a couple extra picks, goes back to 58, and still gets the guy in Denzel Mims. Now, you know, when you look at Mims, I thought he was a top 40 player. Really like what he could do in the red zone uh i think he did improve on the drops from 2018 to 2019 which could have been injury related size speed i think you know he has to be more physical he's coming in and you know he's going to be on the outside right away him and brashad perriman and he's he's probably going to have a lot of attention maybe even number one corner is thrown his way but you have to start somewhere, you know. There's no doubt about that. And then I look at a later pick that I really like was Bryce Hall. Uh, I think when you look at Bryce Hall, you know, he fell because of injury. Uh, he fell because some evaluators think he's a scheme, you know, a scheme limited player to being a zone corner. I do think he needs help over the top. I've seen him get beat over the top, you know, plenty of times. But what he could do underneath, in press coverage, playing the ball, coming down and tackling. I mean just great value in the fifth round If Even if you get Bryce Hall back to 85% This year From that fractured ankle you know That's a steal in the fifth round Because I do think he has starting corner potential Maybe not lockdown number one corner Type potential but a guy that can be Your number two corner And your, your guy on the outside Where you have Brian Poole here on the inside You have a guy on the outside there that can You know kind of like Bless Austin Came on late last year that can factor in So I thought they did a lot of nice things Uh, You know, there's a long, long way left to go for Joe Douglas. It's it's not going to be one draft and the Jets start winning a lot of football games again. But I think he got them really in a promising direction. And if you come out of this draft with three starters and maybe another, you know, a player that makes it, can be a rotational guy, special teams guy, that's considered a really good draft. So a good start for Joe Douglas. Connor, I kind of want to talk about the Jets schedule a little this year since the NFL schedule was just last night. There's a couple games for me, all uh, five actually, that I think are just complete toss-up games on their schedule. Um, the Patriots, the Colts, the Browns, the Cardinals, and the Broncos. Can you tell me how you think the the Jets are going to fare against these teams this year? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, you know, obviously they have the second-hardest schedule in the NFL, and they are not going to be favored in, in many games. And I know some people will sit there and be like, well, will they be favored ever? And... You know, that's kind of crazy because a lot of things change, number one, week to week. Players get hurt, teams get hurt, teams go in the tank. It just happens. So, you know, it's not like that. I don't I don't personally look at the schedule like some people, and I've seen in the national perspective and think this is a one, two, three-win football team. I really don't. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they win somewhere between five and seven games this year, but we do see jumps from Darnold, which is the most important thing. It's just hard to really be a believer in. Adam GaSe for me personally. I think when you look at, you know, it, number one, the Chargers is a game that in my opinion they should win. Now the two factors that make it hard for me is that one, it's an away game. I'm not saying the Chargers have some crazy fan effect, but going across uh, to the West. is going to be starting still at that point of the season, I think, in October 18th. I don't think we'll get a look at Justin Herbert still, if we do later in the season. So I think when you look at that, it'll be kind of a boring game. The Chargers defense is really good. The Jets... That's two years ago. they They will know how to contain him. That's not really going to be... A huge issue in my eyes. I just think, once again, the Chargers defense might be too good. New England is a complete mystery. I mean, they really are. I'm, I'll, I'll go out and say it, and I've said it everywhere on Sick of Football, and because I know my co-hosts feel very different than me. I, I'm not a believer that Jared Stidham is going to be this answer, this franchise quarterback in the next 10 years. It's something I was saying on another show this week is that you know, quarterbacks don't really ever look bad in New England's system. They really never do. You can go back to Matt Castle when he had to play. Uh, you could look at Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett, who have had their ups and downs since departing. None of those quarterbacks ever looked bad in New England's system. So I don't think Jarrett Stidham will look bad. There's a difference. Now, do I think he's a guy that could take them over the hump or be anything more than average? No, I don't. I really don't. And The defense is still good there but they're aging Uh, i think this is this is in my opinion the difference in the schedule for the jets Uh, i think if you go and and you you should take care of business and at least split with new england in my honest opinion and this might it's still bill belichick it's still a really good defense but the excuses are off the table for adam case you should go win both those games and that's something that can flip your season around now do I expect that? Not necessarily. Uh, and, you know, I really, I don't know. That's, I just don't. I just don't have a ton of belief in gays. So when you look at the schedule, you know, the, the last one. I know you mentioned the Browns too. Uh, you know, that's an interesting one to me. The Browns are another team with all the talent they have. There is no reason for them to not be, you know, to just not be ready to go this year. Uh, it would, you know, they're a they're a more talented team on paper than the Jets by a lot, especially with Miles Garrett back. So. That's not a game I expect the Jets to win. Now, they're in a similar situation where what Baker Mayfield are we going to get this year? They're going to run the ball a ton, too. So they're actually going to look to protect him a little bit. But, um, you know, like I said, it's it's a game the Browns should win. It's one they're going to have to win in that really tough division they're in to keep their season alive. And I think, you know, this is a tough schedule for the Jets. There's no doubt about that.
0: Jonah?
1: Yeah, uh, Connor, going to kind of switch it up since I've personally always been a huge Packers fan and I know they've had a interesting draft, the public's been saying, so I just kind of wanted to hear your perception on the first couple of picks with Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon just on how they might be investing the potential future stars they could be getting, yet many see them holding back their current roster that they're just a couple pieces away from getting past the NFC Championship of the Niners like they couldn't do last season. Yeah, well, I think that's the frustrating part. I think I look at it and I go, you know, I like Jordan Love. I like A.J. Dillon. Now, did I think, you know, A.J. Dillon would go in the second round to a team that already has, in my opinion, you know, one of the best young running backs in the league? I wasn't expecting that. I think when you look at Jordan Love – no, I can't sit here and say I'm shocked by the Jordan Love pick because when we did the Bleacher Report broadcast that day, we they all made us pick who I thought would take him, and I said the Packers. But – It doesn't necessarily mean I I agree with the strategy because, number one, I thought Green Bay was such a good football team last year, and they are really close. You would really like to get one more Super Bowl here in the Rodgers era, and it it felt like like everything was – every move they made last year felt like it was the right one. You you hired a coach that got you – that really elevated the team from Mike McCarthy. There's no doubt about that, I was never the biggest – matt lafleur guy but i thought he really elevated the team in his first year and improved a lot of people including myself wrong the defensive free agent signings all were hits they changed the pass rush so when you look at it and, and the draft i'm not a rashawn gary fan maybe that was the only thing i said there and said i don't know about this but they still drafted still made some good picks so you know you're looking at it you go okay build off of that you go for it again this year and then you could revisit everything. You know, and see if you want to get your quarterback to develop a year behind Rodgers. Say Rodgers has two more years left in Green Bay. Then that, you know, that's a timeline that kind of makes makes some sense. It's just very frustrating when I just don't think they got a lot better. And I like Jordan Love. I think he, he was the guy I would rather try to develop than Justin Herbert. And they went such an, such a different variance of picks. And I think when you look at it for Green Bay, it's like, okay, well, some people are going to, you know, maybe five years from now, Jordan Love's really good, right? And a lot of people are going to come back and be like, well, the Packers were right. And, and I don't really know if it's as simple, if it's as cut and dried as that, because I could sit here and tell you that I like Jordan Love, and I think Green Bay's a good spot for him to develop. And I could also sit here and tell you they didn't need to take a quarterback this year, that they could have got help. It, I think there's a couple things that frustrate me. One... You could still take Jordan Love there, and you can rebound enough where you're trying to win still. And I don't think they made the right picks. But A.J. Dillon's okay. you got to take a receiver there. Or, or really, there's a lot of different directions you could go. You could take another piece for the offensive line. You could draft for the defense. They lost a couple players in the front seven of free agency. Not that I think losing those guys to the Giants like Blake Martinez will make a drastic difference, but you still would like to replenish that unit. So I, I just look at it and go, man, Deguara is one that I thought he went two or three rounds early than, I, than he should have. I, I just, you know, to get a fullback hybrid tight end, you can find those guys on day three. You really can. And in a draft where there's so much receiver talent. Devontae Adams is phenomenal. I really like Alan Lazard. Oh, there's a ton of teams that went to this draft with two or three receivers and said, hey, we'll take another one. We'll take two more. I just, I don't know. It's it's frustrating because I think Green Bay is going to be a good team this year. It's, you know, we can sit here and crap on the draft all they want. They're going to be a good team again. But the problem is, you know, a lot of other teams got better in that division and, and in the NFC in general. And I, I think they just, they did not have a good enough draft. Yeah, I agree. Um, Personally, I see Rodgers probably staying under center until – I feel like the Packers tell him they no longer want him and they want to transition to the Jordan Love era. Do you see this panning out to be like a Favre Rogers thing that transpired in the past? Yeah, I think I I do. Now, what I wonder, and why this is a really good question, is do we live in the era of football anymore where players sit that long? Because I don't think so. I I mean, when Pat Mahomes sat for a year, it was like jaw-dropping to the world, it felt like, because it's like, wow. They're really going to sit him a full year. Pat needed that year, and he'll be the first person to tell you that he needed that year. And Jordan Love needs that year right now. I, I don't think Jordan Love is ready uh, to play in meaningful games because it, it's once again it's the the talent aligning with the brain, and that's something you know those being off led to, and him trying to do too much in a season that the, his team around him was not very good led to a high turnover rate. He needs he needs the year. He needs to just, you know, acclimate to the NFL. There's a lot of different things that go with that. But I think when you look at it, he's going to get at least the year. Now, the thing that interests me the most, guys, and no one is talking about this, both quarterbacks, especially guys that like to play off script a lot. I mean, it feels like in the last year or two, Rogers has solely played off script. I don't even think he wants to be... <laughs> A rhythm style. I'm going to run the offense and get the ball out. Kind of passer, and that's not criticism. That's just saying what it is because there's guys that succeed like that. Deshaun Watson is phenomenal at it. Uh, Mahomes is a guy that could do both, but you know some of his, the plays that we all like to watch on SportsCenter are are off script. Rogers just loves to play off script, and when you're older and you know maybe not as fast anymore, you could get hurt. It happens. So. Jordan, they they would like to sit Jordan Love for the next year, and uh, Green Bay's a different franchise than most, too. If they sat him for two years, I wouldn't even be shocked. It's just so hard in this era of the NFL, with quarterback contracts, to really envision a guy sitting for two, two plus years. But there's also that gut feeling that at some point, we're going to see Jordan Love, you know, maybe because of injury, who knows what it's going to be, but the, the plan, to answer the question very, very sh- in a short version, is that the plan is to sit the guy behind Aaron Rodgers just like Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre.
0: Connor, yeah. I want to kind
1: of move over to
0: the hometown team of ours, the Chicago Bears. They have a couple interesting dilemmas, obviously, in this upcoming season. Uh, first, with the QB battle between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, I want to hear who you think is going to win that, and then.
1: Also, I want to hear what you thought of their first selection in this year's draft, Cole Komet. Well, I think when you look at this quarterback battle, I mean, it's, it feels like it would be Nick Foles to lose. Like, now the problem is, I does the franchise want to save face, and you know, do they want to cover themselves and ensure Trubisky wins it? So, because teams do this, and it's the worst. Teams do this thing where they bring in another guy that they feel. At, at his best is good enough to compete at his worst is enough to say hey we, we brought in another option just in case you know are they bringing in nick Foles to let trubisky win and then they say hey well, at least we have a guy here just in case or are they truly bringing in nick Foles to win this team football games that's what i'm wondering now nick Foles. In Jacksonville, this was not insanely hard to predict. In Jacksonville, did not look like the guy that was winning a Super Bowl for the Eagles. Now, in Chicago, I think we'll see something in the middle. I don't think we'll see the guy that couldn't even, you know, stay on the field in in favor of Gardner Minshew. And I don't think we'll see the guy that was just playing out of his mind for the Eagles. I think we'll see something in the middle. And I think if you're a Bears fan, you probably sign up for that at this point, honestly. So... I do think Foles will be the starter there. If he's not, it goes back to my earlier point that this was a sham. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. When you look at Cole Komet, uh one of the you know felt like one of the safer picks in, on day two of the draft, good inline blocker, good seam target, big red zone target, soft hands, um, you know, great athlete. Thought he was going to go play baseball and, and would have went professional professionally, I think, if he. He kept playing baseball at Notre Dame. So, it, I like Cole Komet. Just the thing that scares me with the Bears is I thought they needed another piece on the offensive line. And, you know, taking Jalen Johnson at 50, I like Jalen Johnson. They needed an outside corner. I have no problem with that. Uh, Jalen Johnson at that spot of the draft to me was only there because he tore his labrum. If he didn't have any of the injury, he probably would have went in the... I mean, he might have even went in the first round. You see guys like Damon Arnett and A.J. Terrell go in the freaking top 20 of the draft Jalen Johnson had Jalen Johnson had just as much talent as those guys to make it clear it's just it was an injury thing so I I, I like Cole Komet, I like Jalen Johnson I just wish the Bears you know, once again you know to get the most out of Nick Foles let's not forget the offensive line he played behind the Philly guys I mean just one of the best units in the NFL so I think the Bears are uh, that's going to be an area of concern for me going into the year
0: what I wanted to hear, um, if you kind of had to order the NFC North, what do you think it's looking like win-wise, and like, what do the rankings look like?
1: So I actually picked the Vikings, which is just absolutely diabolical. I feel like to pick them to a Kirk Cousins team to win a division, I almost hate myself that I did it. Um, now, these change, you know, we've been, we've been picking division winners on the draft grading shows, and I think when you when you get, you know, a full summer of research, of going back and watching all the 2019 film, and, and then looking at the roster on paper, looking at the coaching adjustments, sometimes your opinions might change. We'll do the – we'll pick every game. You know, probably that's like a usually a late July, early August kind of show. But on a whim right now, I think the Vikings and Packers make the playoffs. And, and I think you can really swap out who wins the division by a game or two. Uh, I think one – Here's my reason, too, is that the Vikings did a really nice job replacing what they lost. Because that'll be the first question everyone asks. You go, how do you pick the Vikings? They lose Stephon Diggs. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is, you know, who was, all, who was not good last year. Let's make that clear. He was not good last year, is gone. Well, Justin Jefferson's a really good player, and Jeff Gladney's going to be a better player than what 2019 Xavier Rhodes was. So they drafted well. The big thing that just no one's talking about that's going to make them really good next year. Is it's crazy to say, and it's not a, it's not an insult to him, but with Kevin Stefanski gone, Gary Kubiak being the guy there is just a game changer. He is such a good offensive coach. Dalvin Cook is just, and it's no coincidence when Gary came into the mix to help Stefanski, Dalvin Cook started running wild. Chicago not going to be bad by any stretch. It's just you're in a tough division. Your quarterback play at best will be mediocre. You have a really good defense, a really good defense. I just think they're in such flux on offense. You know, you look at it and you go, "What? what is this team's identity on offense anymore? What happened to the debut season of a guy like, you know, Matt Nagy? So I think, you know, and, and then the Lions, who I'm not a Matt Patricia guy. I loved getting Akuda and DeAndre Swift. It feels like the Lions and the Bears are not going to be bad football teams. Like there's going to be a lot worse third and fourth place teams across the NFL. It's a tough division, but I do think the Vikings win it in a very close close call and the, and the Packers still make the playoffs. Connor, who do you, going back to the draft, who do you have as your biggest sleeper and a player we're probably going to look back at and say is our biggest boss to this draft class? Oh, that's tough. I, I think when you look at – I never even know who to call sleepers anymore. I feel like the draft community has gotten so at large. It's like you don't even know, you know, who like who's what. – I'll say this. I, Eno Benjamin going in the seventh round to Arizona is just, like, mind-boggling to me. And, and Arizona with Cliff there, you saw it. I, I mean, you saw it last year when they trade for Kenyon Drake. They're going to know how to get the most out of running backs that can catch the ball. So, I think, you know, if I had to bet on, like, a seventh-round guy, there's two. You know, Benjamin to Arizona and Kenny Willikus to Minnesota. Uh, Willikus, you know, was on track to be a day-two pick as a junior, and then he just got an awful injury, came back a little slow as a senior, then really turned it on down the stretch. It was like, oh, he's healthy again. Got a late senior bowl invite. was fantastic there. Uh, better athlete than given credit for. I, I really don't understand why he was a seventh round pick. I would I would have at least taken him in like the fifth with some of the pass rushers that went. So Willakis and Benjamin. I don't know if they're sleepers, because those are pretty popular college football names, but they went in the seventh round. So and I think they'll I think they'll make rosters, which is to start uh alone. Biggest bust. Wow. Oh man, biggest bust. Um I I think one guy that I just don't think is ever going to live up to his draft billing is Justin Herbert. Now, he went to a place that I called the perfect landing spot for him months before the draft. I was like, if he could go anywhere and find success, it's the Chargers. They have tons of receivers. They're improving their offensive line. It's not there yet, but they're improving it. Austin Eckler is one of the, if not the best pass-catching back or one of the best pass-catching back in the NFL. Anthony Lynn is the right guy to work with Justin Herbert. I just – I don't think he'll ever live up to top-ten pick billing, guys. I I don't – I just don't. I think he'll always be – you know, he kind of actually reminds me a little bit of what we've seen with Josh Allen with the Bills, a little bit more in control. Now, Josh Allen can be out of control, and sometimes that's fun because you get big plays. And with Herbert, I think he'll be a little bit more in control version of Josh Allen where – really need to build a good scenario around him a really ideal situation i think when you look at alan he's a little bit different from a mental makeup perspective josh is really confident really really tough hard-nosed i don't i never really got that vibe with herbert so that'll be something to monitor i just, it's tough to call a guy a bust when i don't think he'll necessarily bottom out of the league but I, I just don't think Herbert will ever live up to those expectations.
0: Um, now, I got, of, I got two questions for you. The first one is, obviously, free agency continues to happen. Um, I wanted to hear, uh, I think for the Jets and many teams, you're still looking to build on what you have. Are there any free agents that you could see that would be a good fit for the Jets or really any team left uh, in free agency?
1: Well, I think the three guys that, you know, I look at and think can really help a team right now, any team, is Jadavion Clowney, no know, Logan Ryan, and, and then I would honestly say Everson Griffin is still out there, and Everson Griffin's still a really good player. So, now, where it gets interesting, you still have Jason Peters out there, too, still playing at a pretty decent level. So, I think when you look at it, you know, it's, it's a couple questions coming to mind for me. Do some of these guys want to just play for a winner? Now, Cloudy just wants to get paid. So that's, you know, that's that one's kind of simple. Logan Ryan's a little bit of the same. I think Logan Ryan just wants one year, $10 million deal, and he's like, all right, I'm good. Now, with Peters and Griffin, I could see them wanting to, you know, they're two guys that come from winning organizations, especially Peters had some good years in Philly. Griffin had some really productive years on a good Minnesota defense. So I think, I don't know what those guys' market is going to look like. I think when you look at, you know, for the Jets, it's, you know, a one-year deal on Clowney makes a ton of sense because his his market's dried up, there's not much there, and they have such a gigantic need on the edge still. And I don't think Clowney's an all-world pass rusher, but he's way better than whatever they have right yeah. now. So you got Jordan Jenkins on one side, Clowney on the other. Yeah, you probably have... I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but if CJ Mosley stayed healthy and you signed your Davion Clowney, you might have the best run defense in the AFC. Yeah. I mean I know I'm not trying to sound like a homer. I I just (laughs) said to you guys I think the Jets might not be favored in a single game this year, so I don't think I'm on that side of things. (laughs) But I mean that's the kind of impact Clowney makes to a run defense. You know, you can make the argument for Logan Ryan. I like Logan Ryan. He's a very likable player, a good player. I don't really know how much better he makes someone like the Jets, honestly. they Yeah, they need a second corner. I, once again, I you know, it would be a good signing, a really good signing. I just I, I think with Logan Ryan, there's a lot of teams that need corner. It doesn't matter how much money he wants. Like the Chiefs really need a corner. They really need a corner. Does so Logan Ryan want to go take a $4 million deal and try to win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs? I don't think he does, and I don't think he should. I think he he should make at least double that, and I wouldn't blame him if he if he just went for the money, you know. But it's those are the guys that I look at and go, man, they they're interesting players to me. They re, all of them are really interesting players to me because they they're not just really role players. I mean, Clowney, Ryan, Everson Griffin, and Jason Peters can be legitimate impact players.
0: And my last question for you is, who are your way too early twenty twenty one top players in next year's draft that everyone should look out for?
1: Yeah, I mean, the two quarterbacks I've been looking at are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Super exciting young talents. They both move well, strong arms, playmakers. They can extend plays. I know everybody's hyping up Trey Lance by the hour. Um, I I think Trey Lance has a lot of promise, and I'm excited to watch more of him, but I just think people are looking for a new name with him. Like I've seen it on the highest level from Trevor Lawrence for a couple years, Justin Fields last year. You know, I, I'm not ready to say Trey Lance is better than those guys. So, you know, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, uh, Tamarin Tamarin Terry from Florida State, all the wide receivers that I just ran through, those guys are just phenomenal. You know, Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris in the in the backfield, Um, it, it, Travis Eats again, the best of the bunch. It, it's an exciting group, exciting on offense again, which is cool. It's a good tight end class this year, a good rebound from last year so. I, I'm excited for this group. I try to hold off as long as I can before I start talking about them because it's like you don't want to – it's May. Like you don't want to – you know, <laughs> I, I want to wrap up the class I just spent 14 months watching, but we're, we're pretty much at that time now where it, it's time to take an early dive into the top 50.
0: Connor, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was great having you on for this week's episode of Inside and Out. Um, for. Oh, oh. For Connor Rogers, jo- Jonah Tafel, and Jonathan Lidskin, I'm Mike Marino, and thank you for listening.